Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will receive treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, How hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first.
pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, friends, we're coming out of a tumultuous political week with a chaotic debate that made me wish, as I often had lately, for a more peaceful and more dignified time. Did you know that when President Obama was in office, he purposefully wore only gray or blue suits? Well, not including that one time when he wore a tan suit and the changeup practically caused a scandal. Oh, for the days when a president wearing a tan suit instead of a blue or gray suit was news. In a 2012 interview, President Obama said, You'll see, I wear only gray or blue suits. I'm trying to pare down decisions. I don't want to make decisions about what I'm eating or what I'm wearing because I have too many other decisions to make. Obama had a way of streamlining other decisions that came to him throughout the day, too. When Obama was faced with a complicated policy decision, his staff knew to place a briefing memo on his desk with three checkboxes at the bottom, agree, disagree, or let's discuss. This allowed work to flow more smoothly, but not simplistically. If there was a need to give more time or consideration to something, it went back to the community of his staff for collective wisdom. Decisions take energy. It's why there's a thing called grocery store fatigue from the choices we face when we look at all of the options on the shelves and why judges tend to give harsher sentences later in the day. While having many options may seem ideal, too many options has a distinct downside. Francis of Assisi was born a man with many options. You know him as Saint Francis, patron saint of animals and creation, the inspirer of the hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King, that we opened with this morning. He founded the Order of Franciscans and then later with Claire helped to found the Order uh, for Women called the Poor Clares. To this day, these monastic communities are known for their charity, their simplicity of lifestyle, their focus on devotion to God. The prayer of St. Francis that begins, Make me an instrument of your peace, that you'll hear in this service, is one of the best known and most loved prayers in Christendom. Francis did not write it, but it's associated with him because of its simple devotion. But Francis wasn't born into humble circumstances. In fact, it was the opposite. He was born a nobleman and was known for his extravagant and festive lifestyle. One of his biographers, Thomas of Solano, who knew Francis well, wrote of him, in other respects an exquisite youth, he attracted to himself a whole retinue of young people addicted to evil and accustomed to vice. Francis himself said, I lived in sin during that time. The only expectation Francis's father had of him was that he be a successful businessman like his father. Beyond that, all options were open to him. He spent wantonly and lived without reflection. When Francis was about 25 years old, something began to change in him. 
The Crusades were happening at that time, and Francis, desiring adventure and respect, joined the group going to war, buying a tremendous horse, an expensive suit of armor, a fabulous cape. He looked like he was destined to lead this army for sure. But one day into the journey, he had a dream in which God told him to go home, that he had it all wrong. And so he did. His attention began to shift them from all of the options he had for fun to the voice of God. Francis began to pray constantly. He spent time alone in the woods in prayer. Then he was led to the ancient church of San Damiano. While praying there, he heard the voice of Christ come to him from the crucifix saying, rebuild my church, rebuild my church. And so Francis went to his father's textile store, took some cloth and sold it, giving the proceeds to the church. When his father found out, he was enraged and dragged Francis before the bishop to get the money back and be disciplined. The bishop returned the money and said simply, God will provide, refusing to mete out any punishment. At that point, Francis stripped himself of his clothes, gave all he had to the church, renounced his inheritance, and left for the woods. He continued to meditate when he was in uh, the woods on the words that he heard in San Damiano, rebuild my church. And he returned to the church and begged for stones, rebuilding it with his own hands. Then the further revelation came to him and he realized it wasn't the physical structure of this church the message referred to, but the soul of the larger church that needed rebuilding. Francis began to preach openly in the streets and fields, a message of compassion and love and return to God. He's a stark contrast with the fiery prophets of the Hebrew scriptures whose words can sound condemning, or the fierce and wild urgency of John the Baptist calling people to repent. Francis's message was more gentle, more humble, offering one option, return to God. And people responded. He began to be followed by many. And as the group grew, Francis felt he needed to offer a guide because he could not be with everyone every day. And so he opened his Bible three times and landed on three different verses. The first was our scripture from Mark that you heard Jamuel read this morning about the rich young ruler. The second was the order of Jesus to the apostles to take nothing for their journeys. And the third was the demand to take up the cross daily. These three verses will be our rule, he said. The scripture from Mark, which you heard this morning, begins with a man described as a rich young ruler bowing before Jesus and asking what it will take to inherit eternal life. Jesus responds with a paraphrase of the Ten Commandments, and the man says to him, These I have kept since the time of my youth. Then the text says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus said to him, One thing you lack, go, sell everything you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, 
and follow me. Interestingly, some translations insert the phrase, the money, in Jesus's words to give to the poor, but the money is not in the text. Jesus doesn't create a necessary relationship between the man selling what he has and giving to the poor. And why is this? Well, I believe it is not so much the money itself that it is that is the problem for this young man, but the many, many options for his time and attention and devotion that the money creates for him. This man's money was keeping him from focusing on God, but in not including the money in his direction to give to the poor, Jesus was acknowledging that this man had gifts far beyond just money to give. The rich young man had already attested to the fact that he is faithful to the commandments, but he is distracted in his faithfulness. And so when Jesus says, there is one thing you lack, what he means is that a singleness of purpose is not present in this man. And the scripture tells us the man went away grieving because he had great wealth. He wanted to keep his options open. In this time of sheltering in place, we are having a crash course of limiting our options and dealing with far fewer distractions. But, this is, but has this helped us turn toward singleness of purpose like Francis did? Or are we looking for more distractions? trying to keep our options open. It's easy to focus on the man's wealth in this story and draw the common conclusion that having money is the problem. But that's not actually here. Money is morally neutral, but what we do with it has ultimate moral significance. In these highly polemical days, we also need to remember that the words Republican and Democrat in themselves are morally neutral. There are positive values associated with the Republican worldview, such as tradition and security, and positive values associated with the Democratic worldview, such as progress and equality. But it is how these values are employed that makes them moral or not. Is the action grounded in faithfulness of caring for the least, the last, and the lost? in a way that truly respects the dignity and humanity of all persons? Does, this, does the way these values are employed lead to singleness of focus on God and God's commandments? Does that singleness of focus make us conscious of the suffering of others and able to respond in compassion? If so, then the gift was morally given and the value morally employed. This week, we began a month of looking at the lives of six different saints and how they gave what they had, gifts of money, of authority, of necessity, of courage, and of commitment to respond to God's call. In this month, you are going to be asked to make a decision about your commitment to Epworth, both in terms of your financial commitment and the offering of all of your God-given gifts. In your discernment, consider what is keeping you from fuller relationship with God. Is it the presence of many, many options? Is it a preconceived judgment about who is deserving? A way to make this a more simple decision is to consider the biblical direction to tithe. 
A tithe is a, is 10% of one's income. A tithe is like yes, the yes box on Obama's uh, policy brief. And maybe 10% isn't possible, so maybe this could be seen as a starting point where a no or a not now leads to a consideration of other gifts, such as time and talent and presence to offer. And maybe checking the let's discuss box leads to a family conversation about how to get creative or how to make a plan to get to the tithe in the future. But like St. Francis discovered, the most important consideration is what brings us closer to God and our ability to walk in the way of Jesus and the saints. May it be so. for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.